Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey everybody, happy weekend. It's your Friday edition, Friday weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. And I thought I'd come up with something new today. We'll see if you guys like it. I, I know, I know, we've done this a few times lately. We had the breaking news episode. You know, Adam and I are doing the deep mailbag this year. I just, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's boring to just go through the box scores. But isn't it a little bit boring? I know you guys love it, and that's great. I like, I, I'm never going to begrudge the 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 joy in making sure we're up to date on everything. I just think there are more fun ways we can attack this stuff. And maybe I got spoiled because having the off season to deep dive subjects and really really parse it, really pull things apart. I don't know. I got kind of used to it. And now I want to do that type of stuff with other things. Now we can't fully deep dive things every day because look, things are happening in the NBA. And we'll do the deep mailbag with Adam as often as possible going forward. So we're going to have opportunities to explore the strategic side of things. But normally on these Friday shows, I go through everything that happened over the week that was. The ads, the drops, the holds, the streamers, all that kind of stuff. But I think I came up with an interesting plan for this weekend. Which isn't going to work every week, but it is going to work this week. Because we had so many crazy pieces of information that broke this week, whether it was injuries or lineup shifts or some combination of them, we ended up, and I counted this out, we ended up with 18 players that I believe prior to this week were either streamers or waiver wire fodder and now need to be talked about. 18. I really can't remember the last time that that many guys became fantasy relevant in a mid-season single week, which speaks to a couple of things. First thing is, there were a lot of injuries this week in the NBA. A lot, a lot. I think we all got burned. I feel like I got burned more than most, but I think we everybody always feels like they got hit the hardest from the injury thing. I think if you have Bam, you got hit pretty hard. If you have Dame, you got hit pretty hard. If you have Ja, remember Ja Morant, that was late last week, but he got hit pretty hard. These are big deals. These are big, significant, early-round injury stuffs. And Jimmy Butler's been out this week with a tailbone. I know it's not a long-term thing, but it's a thing. Cat hurt his back. Porzingis' knee. Giannis, the calf. These are shorter-term things. Ananobi's still out. But then you add Dame to it. You add Devin Booker to it. The only good news coming out on the injury front is it sounds like Harrison Barnes is very close to coming back for Sacramento. So maybe you get, you know, a top 40, top 50 kind of guy back on your team if you were sitting on him. And I had him in a number of spots. I don't know how it happened. It was not a guy I was targeting, but he was always there at like 115. And I couldn't figure out. I was like, this guy was number 85 last year. Why is he still out there? So I just took him and thought, all right, well, what the hell? And, you know, that panned out. The what the hell pick panned out. So anyway, what I came up with is because this week was so special, this episode is going to be profiling all 18 of those 
players that, again, I deem them to be guys that were likely, maybe they weren't on your waiver wire, but they should have been, prior to news that broke this week or over the last seven or eight days, maybe would be a better way to express it, because it's not just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Did I say a a day in there twice? It's all, all the way back to, like, last Friday, basically. So let's dive on in. Again, I'm Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sportsethos.com, the website, our benevolent overlords. Listen, they're not going to stop being benevolent and they're not going to start being our overlords just because they changed their name. It's not hoop ball anymore. It's Sports Ethos, and you can follow their fantasy Twitter feed at EthosFantasyBK. Then I debated, before we dive in here, and this is actually the dive-in part, what order do we go through these guys? So then I put them in order of most interesting to least interesting, and we're going to start at the bottom. That's right. Eat it. Because if I start at the top, you guys would stop listening after six minutes, and maybe you're going to fast-forward a little bit, but I think you want to hear the names I put on this list. Starting at the bottom, Anthony Simons, because... In one moment, he went from being probably like the number three or number four most interesting guy out of 18 to being the least because he played 10 minutes and then hurt himself and was left and uh, was seen leaving the arena in a walking boot, which means he ain't coming back anytime soon. Dame will probably be back before Simons. Man, my 30 deep team is getting smashed. And we don't have to talk much about it because, again, by the time he comes back, he won't be on this list anymore. So that's the quick one. The quick one. The bottom of the the bottom of the board. Working our way up now, Dennis Smith Jr. is my last, he's the last name on the board right now. Dennis Smith Jr. is the last name on the board, not because he actually hasn't had a couple of half-decent performances recently. Remember last year he had some pretty good work as a fill-in, was in Detroit, uh, and then he himself got hurt, so suffering the Anthony Simons ailment here. Uh... He's the bottom of the board because of a combination of factors. First, if he's not a guy who's actually doing any orchestrating, if he's not kind of a primary, things are going to get a little bit goofy. He played 19 minutes, by the way, in yesterday's ballgame after everybody else went down. He actually played 17 minutes in the previous one. Uh, 11-4-3 with a steal and a block. The previous ballgame, 6-3-5 with two steals and a three-pointer. In the other one, uh, he's not a good free throw shooter. Career sixty five percent. Fortunately, last year in Detroit, he wasn't taking very many. Not a good field goal percent guy, but has kind of turned himself into a pretty darn good defensive stats dude. Who, again, if he's orchestrating, can get you a few assists per ball game. The question really is. How much is he going to play? And I think that's the other part of it. In addition to having kind of a weird fantasy profile where if the percentages are critical to your success, meaning if you're in a roto league, basically, he's he's going to be a tough guy to trot out there without getting a little bit of evidence first. If we find out he's starting their next ball game and going to play 26, 27 minutes, then he's probably worth a pickup at that point. But I'm not convinced that the Blazers don't just run like a C.J. McCollum very large point guard lineup and then go Norman Powell out there with him. Uh, maybe you see Nasir Little when he comes back. I mean, they're a pretty beat-up team right now. 
Ben McLemore played 27 minutes in Thursday's ball game. He could be out there as the shooting guard. So they go McCollum, Powell, McLemore in the backcourt, and then a Covington and either Nance or Nurkic or whoever in the frontcourt. They don't have to play Dennis Smith Jr. more than 20 minutes of ballgame, which is, I think, again, that's the other part of why he's the bottom of my board. There's no guarantee he gets the minutes, and even if he does, there's no guarantee he has the right role, and there's no guarantee that his fantasy game translates good enough. You can find a couple of nice examples from DSJ last year when he did get starters minutes in Detroit, and it was, it was, a, you know, it was a mixed bag because there was those stretches where he was out, but you know, late February he was playing starters minutes, and he triple-doubled in there. 10 points, 12 boards, 11 assists, 3 steals. Luckily, again, he really wasn't taking any free throws, so it wasn't a total disaster there. But he doesn't shoot well. That's not changing anytime soon. And there's a lot of downside, potentially, with DSJ. The fact that he does have upside tells you how interesting a lot of these other guys are. I debated whether or not this next guy should have been the bottom of the board, and that's Terrence Davis. And now with the word that Harrison Barnes is coming back, I mean, there's a very real chance that Davis is the guy that gets bumped to the bench. He was the starting small forward for Sacramento in their most recent ball game on Wednesday. That was a win in L.A. over the Clippers. If Barnes gets the start and they want to keep Metu in the lineup, then Davis is out. And even if he isn't out of the starting lineup, the squeeze is going to start getting put on him here as guys come back for the Kings, whether it's Barnes, Bagley whenever he comes back, Mo Harkless whenever he comes back. There's not enough timeline, and there's not enough consistency. You know, honestly, let's switch. Let's put Terrence Davis at the bottom. He could be interesting. If we find out he's starting and nobody else is coming back, then maybe you do get to squeeze a game out of him. But he's a three-point shooter. We'll get you a few steals. But the percentages could break a limb off of your fantasy team. And so he now, you know what, that's fine. We'll put him at the bottom just because... The, the upside is hard, is very difficult for him to tap into, and we did see it in that last ball game, but it's an inconsistent one at best. Next one, working our way up the board. Maxi Kleba, with Kristaps Porzingis now nursing a knee contusion. Kleba has an opportunity to maybe get back into the mix. Remember, he had a very brief, fleeting, and fun adventure where he was playing in the mid-20s and minutes. That dropped back pretty hard, actually, pretty quickly. He didn't do almost anything at all in their last game at New Orleans. He's on the board here because if, if Porzingis misses time, they almost have no choice because they need that big man that can space the floor a little bit, and he's that guy. So his minutes probably go back up into the mid-20s, and then you're looking at something like, what, 11 points, four rebounds, a block, and a three-pointer. It's extraordinarily boring, but it's a pretty good nine-cat kind of guy, maybe without assists. Call it like an eight-cat sort of guy the wrong eight cats, depending on what format you're in. Uh, but he, has, he does have the opportunity. If things break right, he could get you two threes and three blocks on the right night. And you know that if Porzingis misses the game, he's going to get to do something. But again, we're splitting hairs a little bit here because these are the three bottom dudes. Working our way up the board, DeAndre Bembry is the next name on my list. His free throw shooting makes me want to gouge my eyes out. But... His other stuff has actually been pretty good lately. His field goal percent in particular has been very good. Uh, huh. He's shooting 86% over the last week, which admittedly not a sustainable number, 
but also 0% at the free throw line, so equally not sustainable there. 12 points, 7 boards, 1.5 steals. That number is always high. I like the fact that he's rebounding for that Nets team. Uh, I don't know what role Nick Claxton might play going forward, since LaMarcus Aldridge feels like he's basically the center. Would they dare play Aldridge and Claxton together? I doubt it. So for now, unless Bruce Brown comes back around and retakes this job, it seems like Bembry's kind of stolen it. And I like the rebounding. You know, when he's been out there for starters minutes, he's done a pretty good job on the glass. He's done a really good job on the defensive stats. But the free throw shooting is a mess, and that's why he stays relatively close to the bottom of our board. Uh, Nas Reed is the next one on there. And you guys actually know I like Nas Reed. Um, I love his per-game stuff. I just get the feeling that Cat isn't going to be out all that long. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe Cat does miss a week. I doubt it. I don't know. It's hard to say. Backs, tailbone, stuff like that. Those are weird. All of a sudden, they just wake up and they feel better. Uh, and again, they could also go small in Minnesota. If Jared Vanderbilt is healthy enough to go, he could be the center for 24 minutes a game if they needed him to be. So there's no guarantee that Nas Reed gets more than like 22 minutes in this game. But if he does, he has some of the best upside of anyone on this board. The problem is, if Cat's not going to be out very long, and we wait one game to see what Reed's role is going to be, that might have been one out of the three games where he actually gets to do something cool. So length of time is one of the big reasons why Reed is at the bottom. And still needing a game of evidence to make a call on him is a reason he's closer to the bottom. Not because of what he would actually do if he got the minutes. We know the answer to that, and it would be something pretty good. Uh, we're starting into a spot now where, where I was really having trouble ranking dudes away from one another, and I went Dwight Howard above Nas Reed, and I, I could actually be convinced to move him even farther up the board. The Lakers have announced, Frank Vogel already announced, that he's starting their game tonight, Friday evening. He played 35 really good minutes in their last ball game, and if you look at Dwight's history, even recent history, forget going back to when he was like a legitimate starting center, if he plays 22 minutes... He has a pretty damn good shot to get you nine rebounds over a block a game and do it on like four for six shooting. You can go to last year in Philadelphia. He got into foul trouble a lot, but when Joel Embiid was out, it was pretty much a walking double-double with bad free throw shooting, but blocks and a ton of rebounds. That's what he does with fouls. There's always fouls. But just look at the game log. Look for any game from Dwight where he played 20 minutes or more, and like 80 to 90% of those were startable fantasy games. You just pray one of those doesn't turn out to be like last January where he went 5 for 12 at the free throw line because it's damn hard to recover from that. You might run into a team that hacks him. Well, the Lakers were significantly better with him as their center instead of DeAndre Jordan because Dwight can still run. DJ can't even run anymore. It's gross. Now, LeBron's coming back, so that's another little wrinkle. Lakers won't have to go big as often. They had to go big in the last one because they just couldn't defend anybody when they didn't, which is an indictment, frankly, of, I think, how hard some of the guys were playing on that team. But, like, when the Lakers went small and Anthony Davis was the five, which is really good for their offense, but then it throws 
you know, THT, Wayne Ellington, Carmelo Anthony, all these guys that aren't guarding anybody back in there on the defensive side. When they moved Dwight in, suddenly the Lakers kind of had two back lines of defense, and Anthony Davis can guard power forwards. So there, there isn't, like, you can't exploit him. And if they bring Dwight out to the perimeter, he was certainly much more inclined to actually try than DeAndre Jordan, who's just a disaster on the defensive side. But I actually, you know, it feels weird to say. It feels a little bit dirty almost. I'm actually kind of into this Dwight Howard experiment, and we'll see how it goes. So he's on my board, and he's not that close to the bottom anymore. I think he's sixth from the bottom here. I can move him up quickly, too, if we find out this is something the Lakers like and stick with. Emmanuel quickly is the next man on my list. Uh, he's not higher because I continue to have issues with his fantasy game. Uh, he's terrific in points league, so I should probably throw that out there. But he's shooting under 40% on the year. He's very much not shy about firing away, just bombs away style. Uh, doesn't assist all that much for a point guard. Doesn't rebound because he's a relatively small dude. Doesn't get steals all that often. I know he had a couple in his last game, but he's averaging just .6 in 21 minutes a game, which, again, I know if you're playing 30-something, that extrapolates out to about one, but that's pretty low for an NBA point guard. And I don't think he plays this many minutes when R.J. Barrett comes back. I think quickly is probably the guy that gets wedged back out and plays alongside Derrick Rose in the second unit and D. Rose is going to be the facilitator there. Quickly still going to get his shots up, but the assists go to Derek for the most part. So quickly, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not in love with his fantasy game. Low field goal percent, minimal defensive stats, not a ton of assists. Then you're just a point guard or you're a shooting guard disguised as a point guard. And we all know it's actually really hard for shooting guards to hit value in the NBA unless they bring something unique and special to the table. Don't talk to me about someone like a James Harden. I know he's a shooting guard technically, but he's not like a real one. Who are the actual high-value shooting guards in the NBA? I don't even know if there are any anymore. Gary Trent. I guess you could argue he's a small forward, but his fantasy profile is very much shooting guard, but with crazy high steals this year. That's that's the one. But like Harden, Jimmy Butler, these guys are small forwards. These guys are these guys aren't traditional shooting guards. They're not that just chucking away. The Chuckers have a lot of trouble because field goal percent matters and no one can make a shot right now. You know, Terry Rozier might be the best shooting guard in fantasy right now. It's really possible. I don't think that's nuts at all. I don't know that I see anybody else. Maybe Zach Levine, if you want to call him that, because he has sort of a shooting guard fantasy profile. He just does it with terrific percentages and a crap ton of volume. Quickly doesn't have that. But his stat lines sure look like a shooting guard. Garrison Matthews is the next guy on my board. Now, I don't know what the timeline is on his. The Rockets have been a bit coy with the Jalen Green stuff, and Matthews probably goes back to not doing as much once Jalen comes back. But in the short term, he's played pretty damn well. Garrison Matthews with one T in the last name, if you're trying to hunt him down. Believe it or not, he's actually 143 on the season overall, right around the edge of the top 100 over the last two weeks, and top 50 over the last week, thanks to hitting almost five three-pointers per game over that stretch. Now, see, now he actually, technically not a shooting guard, he's more of a small forward, power forward even, but his fantasy line is shooting guard-like, low assists, low rebounding, not a ton of defensive stats, but a boatload of threes, and he's done it on a better field goal percent. 
But it's also why I've got him down there with Emmanuel quickly. Those guys just have a tougher time. Same with the next two guys on the list. Three guys on the list, actually. This is the shooting guard run on this uh, Friday weekend episode of the podcast. The next three names, I'll just tell them to you. Evan Fournier, Franz Wagner, who might not really be a shooting guard, and Patty Mills. Before I tell you about those guys, I want to remind you all to, uh, again, bug me. We got a promo going right now. I've tweeted about it constantly uh, this morning. That if you guys want to get involved with our buddies over at mybookie.ag, you got to let me know first because I might have something for you. Mybookie.ag. Hit me up on Twitter about it, at Dan Bespris. Also, we're starting to get a bunch of uh, folks writing in to be on our fantasy football operation, but not as many of you guys that actually want to run it. So we still want to find the one true king, (laughs) one true king in our fantasy football division. Because it seems like uh, we've got a whole team that's ready to go underneath you right now. But this has to be someone who, who wants to totally change their existence. You want to run a fantasy division, make it your own, uh, and make something truly special. Hit me up on Twitter about it, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email support at sportsethos.com. All right, I already told you guys the next three names on the list. Evan Fournier, Franz Wagner, Patty Mills. Fournier, and we're about to get into a, uh, we talked about quickly already, but we're, we're almost into the other Knicks guys. They're up at the top of the board. Evan Fournier has come on much better of late. And, you know, initially it looked like it was going to be a bit of a heater, but that actually didn't stick. He's still not shooting the ball all that well. It's just that his opportunities have gotten larger. Suddenly, Fournier went from six shots, nine so- shots, six and now, 13, 7, 14, 15, 13, 12, 14. He's taken 10 shots or more, 12 shots or more, actually, in five consecutive ball games. Volume is king when you have a shooting guard fantasy profile. Fournier is also a pretty good steals guy when he gets starters minutes. We saw that in Orlando. He was up in the 1.1 range with the Magic. Uh, even in Boston, briefly last year, he was at 1.3. He's at one for the Knicks right now in 28 and a half minutes, so that presumably would go a little bit higher. The assists are very low, as they are for a lot of Knicks that are not named Julius Randle because so much the offense goes through kind of a slow-to-develop Randle post move, and that is what it is. But for Fournier, field goal percent is way down, free throw percent is way down. As those things start to work their way back, and maybe they do now with him settling into a more consistent role, he could actually... He's higher... Then the other shooting guards we already talked about here, like Quickly, uh, Matthews, and I could even potentially put him higher than the other ones. I just think he has maybe the best path to staying power that we've talked about of these shooting guard guys so far. Franz Wagner is a guy that that gives me a little bit of, of pause. He's number 114 overall in the year. He's been much better lately again, as the Magic have been dealing with a weird rash of injuries, and his... Number of shots has bounced all over the map. He was in double digits for basically the whole first month of the year, and then all of a sudden that went away. And then he had a game where he took 24 shots when everybody was hurt. He had 15, 3, and 5, three steals and a block their last ball game. Uh, Seeing the steals come back a little bit is a good sign. That had tapered off for him, and that's going to be the thing that I think it kind of holds him back. He, He, his fantasy game 
pretty closely resembles what Fournier was doing in Orlando, just on a smaller scale. I simply don't know if there's going to be enough there. I don't know that he's going to get to do more than he's doing. He's taking a dozen shots a game right now, and we have no idea if Markel Fultz or Jonathan Isaac is ever going to show themselves. But if they do, anybody that comes back is just going to take from someone that's already there. And I, I get the feeling that Wagner is going to get impacted by that. So I'm not super excited about it. But in the short term, he does seem better than the other guys we've talked about because the threat to him is not one that we can consider looming in a way that it is for some of these other guys. All right, who we got next on the list? Ah, Patty Mills. All right, well, this one, he was a lot lower before this last week because you figured Joe Harris was coming back, and then Joe Harris got surgery. So he's out now for some time. Uh, it's on his ankle. There were bone particles, bone shards in there. Uh, it's going to be a bit, month to two months. So Patty Mills has a perfectly reasonable runway here that he's kind of done nothing to relinquish. He's number 112 overall on the season. And since Joe Harris went down, he's top 50. Over four three-pointers a game, shooting over 50%. And I'd like to say it's completely not sustainable. And 50-some-odd percent is not sustainable. But the fact that he's just going to be this open with Harden and KD, it's going to be a pretty good percentage. He's going to be like fill-in Joe Harris, who seems less bashful about shooting somehow. Can't hold Patty Mills down. So I like him. He is a true long streamer where just nobody's coming for his job right now. He's a floor spacer uh, among guys who need space. It's a, it's a beautiful fit. And there isn't much to his fantasy game. It's a crap ton of three balls. But if you make a crap ton of three balls on a good percentage, that means you're going to score a few points. And that's what he's done so far. So I like Mills a fair amount. Now you move back out of the shooting guard profile, guys, with maybe the exception of one the rest of the way on this list, and Tyus Jones is the next man up. Now, we don't really know when John Morant is coming back. He tweeted that he was back soon, but what does that mean? A week, two weeks? We don't really know. What we do know is that Tyus Jones is the starting point guard, and he played 34 minutes in the first game that Ja was completely out. It wasn't a terrific ball game. Only scored four points, but did have six assists and three steals. And then in the last one, Thursday's record-breaking 73-point win over the Thunder, Jones had 10 points, six boards, nine assists, two steals, and a three-ball. That's a great line. Life is not going to be that easy. They're going to play an actual NBA team the next time around. They've got Dallas on Saturday. But the fact that Jones is the orchestrator, the distributor, the guy who gets things started on offense, he's just going to close his eyes and walk into five or more assists every ball game. That's a great floor. He's a better field goal percent guy than his numbers indicate right now. He's at 39% because he doesn't take that many three-pointers, which, you know, fine, you take the good with the bad there. But big assists, big steals, low threes, but good percentages. I like Tyus Jones as a pretty good fill-in here. He's going to quietly... Do those things. Dwayne Dedman, who, I don't know. I mean, it's a boring option, but we have one piece of data on him so far. And we don't have one piece of data on all the guys on this list, which 
I think immediately puts him above a number of those other dudes. We don't need to wait and see what he's going to do. We saw it. He played 31 minutes against the very large Cavaliers, had 11 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, a steal, two blocks, and a three-pointer. That was a great fantasy line. He's already pretty much been added everywhere. I got him in a few spots. I feel okay about it. Just wanted to pause to remind everybody once again about the amazing, amazing stuff going on with our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL20. Again, yeah, we haven't upgraded that to uh, Sports Ethos 20 yet. It's still HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get over at manscaped.com. Uh, they've got powders, lotions, shaving creams. They've got the lawnmower. That's the uh, traditional sideburn trimmer or body trimmer, I guess. They've got the weed whacker, electric nose and ear hair trimmer. The three-blade razor, a single-blade razor, a nail kit, replacement blades so you don't have to spend a bunch to get new stuff. They've got shampoo and conditioner. You want to spell good all day. Lip balm. That's new. I actually didn't even know that was there. Manscaped lip balm. You can take Yeah, that's a that's a fun one. What do you break that one out in public? Get some good looks. Travel bag, shaving mat. So you when you shave your neck or whatever, the hair doesn't fall over your carpet. T-shirts, boxers. Get yourself a pair of manscaped boxers. Show your significant other that you're taking care of yourself. Twenty percent off. Free shipping manscaped.com promo code again hoopball20 you guys have done a wonderful job of helping get things over there the holidays are here this is another wonderful time to get something cool over at manscaped.com and every time you do just know that it solidifies one of our favorite partnerships so check it out at the very least go peruse the website and if you see something you like hoopball20 promo code for 20% off and free shipping deadman and Look, I, I think that last game may be one of the better ones he has filling in for Adebayo, but he has six to seven weeks probably, and at least a few of them are going to be decent. Big men that can get steals and assists and threes and won't crush you in the percentages, they have a pretty easy path to fantasy value because most big men that do some of those things are also very bad in at least one element. Either they, they, either they can't pass, or their free throw shooting stinks, or they don't ever take an outside shot. And Deadman can do a little bit of everything, which makes him intriguing. And he is the top, uh, he's the number five guy. So we're now into the top five on this list. Above Dwayne Deadman is DeAnthony Melton. And this one, of course, also tied to John Morant, because when everybody was back for the Grizzlies, Melton was terrible. He wasn't getting playing time. He ended up missing a couple of ball games in there. I don't think we can blame the low playing time on injury. We could try. But I don't think it's true. I mean, even uh, lately, even with Ja out, his minutes haven't exactly skyrocketed. 2018, 17, 22, his last four ball games. Thing is, he can do so much in 20 minutes a game. The fact that he's going to probably get 23, 24, 25. If, you know, say Thursday's game wasn't the most ridiculous blowout I've ever seen, anyone's ever seen, actually. And he still had 19-6-5 with three threes in that game. So I, we all love Melton. Everybody in the fantasy community loves Melton because his, his unique abilities create, 
Like, if he ever got a starting job, he'd be top 40. But he ain't going to get it in Memphis, at least not this year. So we take what we can get. We want to squeeze 23, 24 minutes out of him, and then you got yourself a pretty good guy with upside that we'll hang on to and just keep hoping someone's out. Dylan Brooks were to go back down again, things would really get juicy. Or Desmond Bain, frankly. There's just such a quick path for him from just outside of fantasy value to one of the best guards you can have that it feels insane not to at least put him on your roster. And the top of the board here, the top three, are guys that I think are pretty much locks for some stretch of time. Derek Rose, number three. If he's seeing the kind of minutes that it seems like he's going to get now with Kemba Walker out of the lineup, you, you can, like, it's very easy to extrapolate what he's able to do. If you look basically at Derrick Rose, even if you look at just the game log from this season, look for any game where he's logged 23 minutes or more. That's it, 23 or more. They're pretty good, and they're not all of them, because he had a big stretch in there where he was playing like 19, 18, 19, 20 minutes. Those games, not as good. But the ones where he's at 23 or more, I can read off a few of them to you. Second and third games of the year, 12 points, 7 assists, 23 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals. He had 9 threes in those two games. And then you jump ahead. He played 30 minutes against Milwaukee. He had 23, 8, and 4 with 2 steals and a couple of 3 balls. 29 minutes against Cleveland, 17 points, 5 assists. Hell, you could just go back to Thursday. 26 minutes, 16 points, 6 assists, 8 of 8 at the free throw line. Previous game with everybody out, 35 minutes, 16 points, 5 boards, 9 assists. I don't think his body can take 30-plus minutes a game, but we don't need 30. We need 24. That's an easy one. That's an easy sell. Right now, D. Rose in 24 minutes a game is number 90. If you upgrade him by even a minute, two minutes, you're talking about a guy that could go top 75, top 70. Especially if his role gets bigger here with no Kemba. Hey, you're running this thing. When you're out there, you're a go. And his field goal percent is down. He's taking more threes, so some of it's that. But if it does move back up towards 47, 48, that's another element to his game as a guard who doesn't hurt you in field goal. So near lock. Even when R.J. Barrett comes back, I think D-Rose is a near lock. Yeah, there'll be some games in there where it's a little bit quieter. If he's having a really off night and like Fournier and Barrett and Burks are all playing really well, he's the guy that gets aced out. But... The good ones are going to outweigh the bad. Kevin Herter is the next name on the list. And, you know, this one could change. It's sort of a day-to-day situation. Uh, Cam Reddish is, I believe, out again. I think I saw news flash by that he's still out for another ball game. But when he comes back, that'll slice into Herter a little bit. When Bogdanovich comes back, that'll slice into Herter a little bit. But in the meantime, there's just suddenly no competition on the wing. And Herter's having a grand old time. He's number 201 overall in the year because when that team is healthy, his role sucks. But when everybody goes down and suddenly he's just an unfettered, like, 32 minutes of ballgame kind of guy, he gets to do a bunch of stuff. And honestly, I think I'll flip him. I'm going to put Herter under D-Rose. I like two Knicks at the top of my board. There's just so many minutes for Kevin right now. But again, and I'll, I'll add this on the Herter front. When one guy comes back, when Reddish comes back, he probably falls all the way down to, like, Evan Fournier territory. And when Reddish and Bogey both come back, he probably falls all the way down into that kind of bottom five, bottom six, because there's no need for him to pass at that point. So then it's just scoring, and that comes and goes like the breeze. And the number one choice is an obvious one. It's Alec Burks. 
He's been incredible. Uh, even before getting inserted into the starting lineup, he's been a wonder. He's number 124 minutes per game overall this year. Over the last two weeks, he's averaged 32 minutes a game, and he's a top 25 fantasy player. He is locked in to a colossal role the rest of the way. I feel very fortunate that I got him in even a couple of spots. I wish I could have gotten him in more. I didn't bid enough in a couple of fab leagues. I didn't have a high enough waiver priority in a couple other ones, or I would have had him, I think, in six leagues, and I missed out in three or four. Uh, He's a monster right now. I know the Knicks have lost to Chicago and Brooklyn back-to-back, but they're playing much better with him as a, a larger feature piece of their offense. His minutes have been insane. Thibodeau's going to break him at some point at this rate, but even if they dial him back to closer to 30, he's still coasting at a top 60 clip. As it is right now in the mid-30s, yeah, I mean, he's an early-round draft pick. So this was the easiest one, and there was almost no suspense for that number one slot. And that was kind of fun, wasn't it? To go through the 18 names that all popped up over the last seven days. That's wild. I can't believe how much of that happened here so very recently. All right, guys, have a wonderful weekend. We'll leave you with that. Monday, reverse chronological lightning round, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's games. We'll profile them all just like the old days. And I'm just going to keep with, uh, working on coming up with new things to add to the podcast. We want to kind of keep it fresh for you guys, if at all possible. Shout out to our buddies at Manscaped.com. Once again, looking forward to our partnership starting next week with our friends over at Thrive Fantasy. That should be a lot of fun. We'll tell you more about that starting on Monday. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Hit me up again if you want to get involved with our buddies over at MyBookie. I've got a promo for you. Uh, and follow me on Twitter so we can chat all throughout the weekend and uh, forever and ever. <laughs> all right, folks. Enjoy the weekend. Talk to you Monday. So long.